0: Welcome to The Snug, the Irish and France chat show. My name is Porrick Maguire. We're back in The Snug and my first guest of the new season is a Frenchman with a long and strong link with Ireland. He's a mechanical engineer by training, and has been the chairperson of Network Ireland since 2016. Richard Dujardin,
1: come in and talk to me. Hi, good evening, Corey. Um, So, basically, yes, uh, engineering by background, but uh, I've been uh, more in a management position for many years now. I'm 55, so I start to have a bit of uh, experience behind me. And um, yeah, I have strong links with Ireland. Uh, I spent uh, eight years living in Dublin. Uh, But even before that, I started to work on the Irish market uh, since 1998. So overall, I spent 12 or 13 years dealing with Irish people. Let's
0: go into Ireland in a few minutes, Richard. But I would like you to talk first about Network Ireland. What is Network Ireland, please?
1: Oh, Network Ireland. Network Ireland, so it's uh, firstly, we uh, regain the status of uh, Chamber of Commerce this year. So it's really um, an organization which promotes uh, uh, the business link between Ireland and France. Uh, so it's really about networking, um, uh, supporting businesses that want to export to Ireland or want to export to France, Irish uh, company exporting to France. And basically, we are complementary to the uh, what you call Team Ireland. Which in- includes IDA, Enterprise Ireland, Bordia, or Tourism Ireland, and of course the embassy. And what about French administrative association? Are you connected in any way with
0: the French Department of, of trade?
1: No, we would be more, uh, firstly, we, we would be part of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, network, and our counterpart will be, uh, la Chambre de Commerce Franco-Irlandaise à Dublin. And we would be also working with Business France, which is the counterpart. I would say it's a mix of IDA and
0: Enterprise Ireland. Right. I see. And so how many members do you have? Are your members companies or
1: are your members individuals? Both. We have actually three uh, three type of members. We would have what we call the pioneer member. And we went beyond the 30 this year, so it's really a, a, high, um, a very high number. And it's, it, it's, yeah, we never went higher than that. And really, our ambition for 2024 is to go beyond the 40, because we have a nice momentum there. The same at uh, business uh, member levels, so which is the second level. So, which is uh, uh, companies quite often when you would have the the pioneer member being large organization, business member would be more small to medium uh, organization. And we would have individual members, professional, that want to be part of the network, but uh, without, let's say, having the representation of or being representing a, a company. Right. Now, you said your
0: connection with Ireland goes back a long way. Yeah. You've worked for Veolia. Or you've worked for Veolia since 1992. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that was my first company. And you joined there.
0: To, yeah. From there to London. And then you started working on Irish projects. In At what
1: time? So basically, um, after 5 years of experience uh i raised my hand to say I, I would be keen to work abroad and the group sent me to london uh and at the time um the irish market and the irish government had decided uh to uh, for any new infrastructure to grant the operation to the private sector because it was beginning of the celtic tiger a lot of needs and the idea was the state will build the infrastructure and then we we'll grant the operation to the private sector. What was your first project on Irish? <laughs> Very glamorous. Uh, so I was still based in London and, uh, I'm sure that you know Ringsend. Uh, Ringsend and there's a big wastewater treatment works over there. And at the time, uh, they were drying the sludge. So the sludge is the byproduct that you get from treating the wastewater. Uh, and they were drying the sludge. And the first contract I got was to dispose of the sludge. And I uh, developed a partnership with uh, Liam Quinn uh, from Bolting Glass. And basically, we were storing this dry sludge. And it was very, um, we had to be careful because, you know, dry product, when you store it with the dust, it can go on fire. So we had to monitor temperature or whatever. And then because there's nutrient value in this sludge, we were spreading it on farmland. So this is my first contract and it was back in 1998 or 1999. Glamorous indeed, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> now,
0: 1998 when you started working with Ireland was a significant year in Irish history and you've chosen a song that has a relationship with that date in history.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I was busy in London at the time, but uh, I started to work on the Irish market in January 1998. And By Easter, Good Friday happened, which was really uh, something that uh, the world was waiting for, uh, a a sign of peace. And uh, for me, it was a kind of sign also because, of course, I knew it more from the news than anything else because I didn't have at the time the Irishness that I would say I have today. Uh, But... The feeling at the time was so big, I mean, and it was not only a matter for Ireland, but it was a matter for the States, it was a matter for uh, the UK, of course, but more generally for Europe, that, uh, yeah, it struck in my mind and it's still there and uh, it has been great for the island of Ireland, for now, sure. This
0: period was kind of the beginning of the end of the Troubles. The song you've chosen refers to an event rather towards the start of the Troubles.
1: Yes, correct. Which your song 1973. is? 1973. 1973, which is a Sunday Bloody Sunday.
0: So, Richard, you worked on glamorous sludge treatment projects in your first uh, connections with Ireland. Then you moved on to more interesting infrastructure deals. And rumor has it that you built the
1: Lewis. Actually, I didn't build it. I set up the operation company to run it. Mm-hmm. Tell us how that happened. So basically, uh, I came to Ireland uh, with the water part of our business. And I was building uh, with a company that was called at the time Bowen Water Technology based in Kilkenny, that was part of Veolia, water and wastewater treatment works. And we were then operating them. So that's the reason why I knew quite well all of the, the island, even remote place in County Cavan, County Ross Common, County Monaghan. And then the group, uh, it was at the time when the L'OAS was under construction. It was an initiative of the Irish government. And as I said to you earlier on, the government decided that they will let the operating contract to the private sector to bring international expertise because it was a new type of public transport. And the group was very much interested. So they came to me and said, Richard, what is the, the cost of an employee of, in Ireland? What is the cost of electricity? Because you need electricity to run a tramway. And what is the way you tender in Ireland? And I started to get associated with the tender then we were appointed preferred bidder. And then we signed a contract. And the group turned to me and said, by the way, Richard, here are the key. And you have to start. I was on my own in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. No clue about public transport. And I had to start this big piece of infrastructure. So it was a kind of an experience. Fortunately, I had a big group to back me up. Uh, so I imported Swedish driver to train um, uh, Irish, um, uh, people to become tra- tram drivers. We had to develop a safety case because, of course, you know, you have regulation and you have to demonstrate that you can operate safely this type of infrastructure. So it was a, a fantastic uh, journey. Uh, I had to deal with SIP2 because uh, uh, the idea was that we would be working and enhance to make sure that this project would be a success. So that was the peak of what I have achieved in my career as an engineer. Uh, because, uh, again, uh, there was also political pressure at the time. We had to start in June 2004 and we couldn't delay. So we started, by the way, on the 30th of June 2004, the first line, the green line. And of course, we, because construction was not finished, so we had to be very careful. So we started in degraded mode. So it, rather than being, having, uh, three minutes, uh, five minutes away and even less now today, we started at more than 10 minutes away. We had to train the people raise your hand when you see the Trump, uh coming just to make sure that you are safe and so on and so forth. But it was fantastic. And uh, it's something that was great that happened in my life. And when we started, the government decided that it would be a free weekend. And when we started the Green Line, over the weekend, we carried more than 500,000 people. That was a great success. So I should
0: correct myself and say you didn't actually build the Lewis, but you implemented the service. That- of the Lewis exactly so a very major role indeed and a Frenchman did it for us thank you very much <laughs> on behalf of the people of Dublin uh, so it's been a huge success
1: the Lewis it's been expanding since are you yeah. still involved no 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 uh my heart is still with the Lewis, but no no I'm not anymore involved I, I moved on but uh, uh I came back to Dublin uh on the 16th of November, because we had our business award dinner, uh, dinner, yes, which is one year in Dublin, one year in Paris. And of course, I met some of my old colleagues. And it's always a pleasure. And most of the, of the drivers that I train are still there. Uh, Most of the people in the control room are still there. So uh, it, it was good memory. And really, uh, yeah, I'm so proud of it. And it's such a great success. And it became a feature of Dublin, which is
0: amazing. Indeed. One thing that struck me when the Lewis project started was that uh, I'm a bit too young to remember trams, the original trams in Dublin. But my mother would talk about those trams mm. and they were all dug up in the 50s because it was old fashioned and diesel buses were the way to go. They dug up a huge network and now we're spending billions to mm. put
1: back a network. Yeah. But to be fair, it happened in all the cities almost in the world. Only a few cities kept their network. Melbourne small city in France called Saint-Étienne, but hardly anyone, all of, most of the cities removed the tracks Mm. and they introduced them again because it was good. At an enormous cost, yeah. Mm. Yes, correct. Tell us, Richard, about your second piece of music. So my second piece of music is Cranberries, because of course that was the time that they were at the peak when I arrived in Ireland and this is just my imagination.
0: Richard, at the start, I mentioned that you're a Frenchman with long and strong connections with
1: Ireland. They're not just professional connections. Tell us about your family. So, yes, I have three sons. Um, actually, uh, the third one uh, was born in Dublin, in Holy Street. So, um, and actually, at the time, we missed uh, the, the opportunity to give him, a, uh, at least for a second or a third, a first name, uh, an, an Irish one, uh, and he's still very pissed off with us about it. <laughs> but um, uh, it's, he's is Etienne. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, basically that was, uh, even when we arrived, I mean, uh, my two sons were, uh, gosh, they were three and two years of age and they grew up in, uh, in, uh, in Dublin. They played in Lansdowne. Uh, so it was, yeah, it's great memories. And, uh, actually one good, good memory is that, uh, when my son, it was maybe the last year we were uh, living in Dublin, or the one before, 2007 or 2008, uh, I brought, and they were under 12 or something like that at the time, uh, we brought uh, with the club 40 kids on a tour. Uh, I had organized that we would play Stade Toulousain and then the Biarritz Olympic, the BO. So it's great memory because 40 kids went uh, with 40 fathers. And my wife has a theory that if one of the kids would have been sick, the father would still have gone. <laughs> this is just a theory because none of the kids were, went sick, but this is my wife's theory. So yes, this is really, uh, and we have really great memory about uh, our eight years in Dublin, really great memory and still many friends over there.
0: How long had you known Anne before you moved to Dublin?
1: Oh gosh, uh, we met in 1990, got married in 1993, and we moved to Dublin in 2000, so we were together for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I see. And now back installed again in France. Yes. Since uh, we spent all together 16 years abroad, mm-hmm. three years London, eight years Dublin, five years Brussels, and we are back in uh, in Paris Sorry, uh, since uh, 2013.
0: Mm-hmm. Um Violia is a big part of your professional life, but it's not the only part of your professional life.
1: What have you been doing since? Okay, so re- lately, I moved to a, a big startup because it is a startup. It's a spin-off of a group called ENGIE. And that was taken over by another big organization, which, which is called BWIG, a, b- a big French group. And uh, this startup is called Equance. Uh, this is, um, uh, we provide uh, services uh, uh, related to energy. Uh, so basically, we are at the core of uh, the energy transition. And this is a very large group because it's a 18 billion euro group employing close to 100,000 people. And is your skill or your background as an engineer significant to you or is it more management? Uh, today, I'm a bit of both, but I would say uh, I'm really managing uh, now because I'm in charge of uh, uh, two large countries, the Netherlands and, and Switzerland. And all together, they represent 2.5 billion euro and uh, 13,000 people. So it's more about management. I see. Um, and do you expect to continue that or have you other ideas or other, other strings to your bow? Um, so I try to spend a bit of time. So firstly, I network Ireland. So, and I'm very much committed to grow even further the organization and the business relationship between our two countries. Um, and the second uh thing I do is really to try to help young um uh, young pupils that uh, don't go to school anymore of the age of fifteen and to try to bring them back on track for them to get a a, a diploma a, a certificate that gives a, gives them some qualification uh so it's called Ecole de production so it's a, a very small uh, uh, group of 10 to 12 people uh, that you train them really on the tool uh, and to give them a purpose. And the way we do is that basically they work for clients. So it's not as you are at school where you produce something or you learn something from no one, just to get the the, the skills. Here, it's really what you do, it it has a meaning because what you produce will be sold to a client. Mm -hmm. And this is the way we try to bring them back. It's not an easy one, uh, but it's something I, I I'm trying to spend a bit of time on that. I'm trying to help them to find to find a bit of financing for this type of school. So that is my uh, other uh, I would say hobby. Would you give us an example of a project that you work on with these young people? Oh, but it's um uh, it's it's really a school, uh, and um, uh, the the one I'm looking after it's a school based in the south of uh, Paris, uh, south of Île-de-France, and we have two type of um uh, education one we tried uh, we had them to to use a machine tool okay to produce um uh, gosh i don't know the english word uh, uh, but uh, yet yeah, to 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 work on metals or you know to produce uh, pieces for the industry and the second um uh, and here it's uh, uh, it's in two years uh and every time every year uh it's uh twelve people so we have twenty four people all together and we have just opened um, last September another one uh, which is to train them to become a, um, a electrician and to uh, uh, fit out a switch gear electrical panel or these type of things uh, and here it's the first year so it's only 12 people so together it's 36 so you see it's a very little school but they need a lot of atten- attention uh, so we recruit professionals um, to for them to train them on the practice. Mm-hmm. And then they have a bit of teaching also for uh, more uh, classical education, like a bit of mathematics and a bit, a bit of French, because sometimes they don't even speak French. So we try to also help them on, on that topic. So this is something that I'm not doing a lot. I'm just trying to help the school. Uh, again, finding some financing, proposing some ideas. Uh, so, but yeah, it's, it's
0: good to give a bit. Very interesting. Richard, I have one final question before we move into your last song. How close is your relationship with uh, Jean Dujardin? (laughs) It should have come, of course. None, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, I thought we'd have an in there to a Hollywood star. Oh well, oh well, oh well. It's, (laughs) it's, it's, It's been very pleasant listening to your story and your personal life and your professional life. We're going to sign off with another piece of music.
1: Have a go at pronouncing the title of this song. Yeah, so it's uh, Sinead O'Connor, who unfortunately passed away recently, but I I do like your voice and I'll try to pronounce it okay. So it's Oroche de
0: Vahavalia. Close enough, Richard. It's Oroche de Vahavalia by Sinead O'Connor. And on that note, Richard, thank you very much for sharing your time with us and I wish you a very pleasant evening and of course, all the best for the future.
1: Thank you very much for that, Bori. All the best to you.
0: for listening to this episode of The Snug by Irish in France. My name is Pádraig Maguire and our producer is Paul Lynch.